Welcome to Sawdust Nation Podcast, 190th episode. And today we have a special episode going over safety in the shop. And we have a few announcements too. I'm Josh from North Country Woodworking. This is Tim from Gears and Fire. Med with uh, Oak Ridge Woodworks out of New Jersey. I should have visited your shop when I was there, man. I kind of I missed that opportunity. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Now you're just going to have to make a pilgrimage back to New Jersey. You know what? I got a couple years left in the military uh, working, you know, down that time frame. Maybe that's what I'll do for the first year of my retirement. Just go to shop to shop and we could do a, you know, my page would be full of other people and what they're doing. Um, that would be there cool. are television series based on that type of behavior where I'm just going restaurant to restaurant. You could be the guy that goes from wood shop to wood shop. That would be a dream. Right I'd there. watch that. That would be a dream. I would binge that. <laughs> I want to see I'd Josh watch. go into so-and-so's workshop and hang some clamps. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I don't, I still to this day don't know what happened there. You know, a lot of weird stuff happens sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I told you scotch tape wasn't going to work. You know, scotch tape didn't work. Duct tape didn't work. I don't know what else to use. <laughs> hey, Josh, this weekend is the woodworking show down in Edison. That's you were there funny. last year. Yeah, I went uh, I went two times. I went the one before COVID, and then we waited through COVID and went the one right after COVID. So yeah, yeah. I had you looking for one around here, and I haven't really found one. So hopefully I'll, I'll pick that up sometime. Yeah, I'll be there. Well, Josh, if there's ever one in Chicago, like I think you and I should meet up there. Oh, absolutely. It's a little bit of a hike, but we could definitely meet up there. It's not that bad. I think, uh, yeah, I don't think that's too bad. About three hours for me. I assume it's around that for you. It's about six, I think. Yeah, I'm south, man. I'm I'm in the south. Like way south, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's about six hours if I remember correctly. But hey, whatever. I'm willing wow. to uh, drive. But um, <clears throat> so yeah, this episode is going to be about safety. We're going to talk about some things happening not only within their shops, what happened to us, but even some things federally that are happening currently. You know, before we get into that, I want to take a moment to thank Ed for joining us tonight. He's going to share with us some of his experiences and uh, stories in the shop. Um, and I've seen some pictures. And uh, yeah, ouch. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's a woodworker. He's got to have some some stories. I think, yeah, everyone has some stories. Um, his words, <laughs> ouch. Everyone, <laughs> like, I've been lucky. Like, I keep telling everybody. I, yeah, I, I chopped a little bit of my finger off, but, like, some people have had it a lot worse. Um, so, you know, we always say stay safe in the shop. We always say stuff like that. But, you know, these are going to be some real-life people telling some real-life stories they had to go through that healing process. Not only the healing process, but the injury that happened originally. It's not easy. Um, for me, real quick, I've had trouble with the table saw since. Like every time I turn it on, I think I look at it twice, if that makes sense. Before we roll into all that, um, Nap didn't make it tonight because he has something going on. I was hoping he was here tonight because we were about to announce something that's kind of special. It's happened more than I thought would happen during this Awesome Decision podcast lifetime, but life happens and we've got to have a lot of great people on because of it. So first of all, Tim. I want to make it official. Welcome to the team. You're part of Solid Nest Nation podcast as an official host. And uh, absolute pleasure to be here. We'd love to have you, man. Like, lift your glasses, lift whatever you have up to this gentleman. And uh, white lightning. Cheers. Congrats. <laughs> cheers to him. Uh, now he's going to have to deal with me every episode. So, you know, 
We should be paying him, but he's not getting paid. So welcome, man. Hopefully, what? Okay, I'm out. <laughs> Hopefully, you have as much fun as I've had this entire time as a host. If you want to, you know, be a special host and like Ed is tonight, go ahead and let us know. We will get you on the podcast. Um, we're gonna have that third spot open uh, or fourth spot open to anybody. So, you know, we'd love to have you. We'd love to see if you want to come on the podcast and, uh, you know, have you as a special host. But Okay, that's enough of that. Um, I'm ready. I don't know about you guys, but let's take a deep dive into uh, the safety topic. We'll see where that takes us. And then if we have time, we can jump into what's happening in our personal shops. But, Ed, I'm going to give you the floor, man. Um, you have a special story to share, and I can't wait to hear it. So. All the details, all the saucy details. Go. I've had two uh, incidents in my lifetime of woodworking. Um, one of them related to a tool and one not related to a tool that I think is just as important. Um, the tool related one was your typical, you know, you're uh, working late at night. You're not paying attention. You're tired. I needed to nick a little corner off of a sheet of plywood. And I grabbed a circular saw, an old DeWalt circular saw, um, battery-powered circular saw I had. Now, all circular saws have a blade guard, right? And the blade guard well, has a lever. In- they should have a blade guard. <laughs> well, Tell them, Josh. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> uh-huh. Well, I'm talking about a circular, not a table saw. True, true. But I, uh, instead of lifting the blade guard from its lever, right, where you're supposed to grab it and lift it from the back, I decided to bring my hand forward and grab that blade guard from the front where the blade is spinning. And as soon as I went to grab it, zoop, that blade went over my index finger and uh, sliced right into it. So it was about 11, 11.30 at night, and uh, I had to go upstairs and wake up my ex-wife, which is why we're divorced now, and, uh, <laughs> you know, get her to take me over to the emergency room to get, you know, two or three stitches. Um, so obviously, lesson learned there for me was, you know, being Don't attentive. Don't shake hands with a circular saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, not recommended. Not recommended. Recommend. Um, yeah. <laughs> Being attentive, taking into consideration, like when it has been a long day, um, you want to be extra um, careful, right? Take your time. Don't rush. All of those things, right? We all know those. Um, I think the one that's, well, first, secondly, the, the, the other one was much more uh, intense, but it did not involve a tool at all. Um, I was going into my shop uh, to open the garage doors. At the time, I had a one-car garage shop, and I had uh, some swing-out doors, and I went to open them for a little construction project that they came to do. And I had a really messy shop at that time. It was um, very disorganized, stuff all over the floor. And I went to step over something, lost my balance, fell forward, and as soon as I tried to brace myself against a metal rack, um, my my hand slipped off and slid. My wrist slid across oh. a metal shelf, right? It's an old Craftsman uh, metal shelf that has an L-shaped finish at the back. So that edge. Yeah, that instance. 
But even if it wasn't that shelf, it could have been anything. Anything anything becomes a hazard in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. So as soon as that happened and I regained my balance, I mean, the gush of blood that was coming out of my wrist was crazy. was crazy. So um, immediately put some super, like, death grip with my other hand over my wrist. Um, Yep. And I tell you, there's no doubt about it that at that moment I was a bit concerned because of what I saw, you know, the the way that was coming out. Um, Luckily, my neighbor across the street um, works in IT, so he's a remote guy and was able to call the ambulance for me. And, you know, they came and got me. And I think it ended up being eight or nine stitches. Uh, I actually had sent a photo to, yeah. That looked like it would be a lot more. more, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe they skipped around a little bit. I, I recall it being eight or nine stitches. Uh, yeah, but uh, I guess as woodworkers, you know, and, and by the way, you know, men in general, right? You you grow up and you get yeah. you get a scar somewhere. You know, it's a badge of honor. Um, but We're it's tough one that, work and take it. Yeah, there you go. Right, um, but but that one just kind of screamed at like it's not just about the tools but it's also about keeping your shop tidy whenever possible, right? Yeah, When you're in the shop, you know, what are some of the other things that can cause some serious injury? And, and, you know, one of those certainly can be a slip and fall into a running machine or into a metal, you know, um, shelving unit like I did. Right. I mean, like like I said before, anything can become a hazard at some point. I mean, inertia is the thing. If you are moving towards something that's unsafe, it's going to hurt. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, uh, it it eventually uh, obviously healed and, um, you know, but, but, but did give me a bit of a wake up call to, you know, now this is going back seven or eight years. So if you look around and I, you know, I, I can, I can look to my left here and see that there's a little tidying up that I need to do again. So maybe lesson not too well learned. Um, but, uh, but it is something that we as makers have to, uh, really consider all the time. It's not just about a running machine, but it's, you know, looking at, you know, everything else around the shop that can be a hazard. Absolutely. Even unsuspecting stuff too. I mean, anything with a sharp edge can cut. Yeah. That's right. I know for me when I, all the injuries I've sustained in the shop, like the ones I consider more severe, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's always been one of those things where my first reaction is, can I super glue it or should I go? To my yard? <laughs> um, Have you ever done that though? Cause I mean, I've yeah. seen people super glue. A su- yeah. This is, yeah. I, I sent you the photo, Josh. I don't know that I would have been able no, to. No, you that, definitely right? would have not. But I mean, like when I did my thumb, when I cut my thumb open, and I'm sure you guys all remember that, but I, I stared at it. I'm like, hmm, super glue or not. And the way it was bleeding in the fact that, like, I could see certain things, I was like, mm, probably should go. Um, and then when I got my finger, I didn't even know I got my finger. It literally felt like it jammed my hand. So, like, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at what happened, kind of checking the board. And when I looked up and I saw that, I'm like, oh, um, I can't stop the bleeding. Uh, <laughs> well, gosh, 
<laughs> this is unfortunate. <laughs> and it's so frustrating, right? Because when you're like in the middle of a project, right? It's happened to me here, right? With small nicks, right? You start bleeding, then you grab a napkin. I'm just putting pressure, but I need this yeah. hand or I need that. And I'm like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Okay, it looks like it stopped. I let it go. I keep working. And then I look at what I'm working on. It's got blood on it, right? <laughs> so, well, that's, it, it that's be, where the super glue comes in. It goes really, it goes pretty that's good. That's where the super glue and other, other such creative measures to uh stop the flow (laughs) i I don't know if i can try that that's one of my pet peeves is getting getting any type of super glue on myself like i immediately want to i hate that sensation and i want to get it off so i'm grabbing you know anything in the shop to wipe it all off so i don't know if i can i agree with you but yeah. it just burns for a minute and then you can like you basically wipe it off and you're good to go i've talked to people where they show up to the er after the, they're like yeah that's what we would have done anyway so thank you <laughs> you did a good yep. job here's your bill i mean there's medical super glue obviously i don't know the difference between the stuff we use and not i'm pretty sure someone out there has a, i actually could think of Corey. <laughs> he probably would correct us on this but um i think he's actually the one that brought that up in uh, our maker chat but anyway it really depends, right? Sometimes, like in your instance, the the gash, I definitely wouldn't. I mean, after a certain point, you should go see medical help. And I'm not saying that all fixes should be done with super glue or whatever you have. You know, there's definitely a place and time for me personally where I make that decision. And like, if I can't stop the bleeding, if I can't, you know, if I determine that it's not a clean cut, it's probably going to be, uh, you know, ER worthy or, you know, something similar. And like you said, it's, it could happen as simple as not cleaning up your shop. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder what I would have done had there not been a neighbor across the street I could have gone to, right? I couldn't let go of my wrist. I just couldn't because of what, you know, I saw and, you know, I was too concerned. Um, so it, it it makes me think right now, like, where where are all my, you know, first aid uh, items in this shop? You know, I know that they're, they're not too far away from the table, so, right? Right in a drawer so right. I can access yep. them quickly. Um but, you know, there, there are times that the injury could be such that it's difficult to try to mend it on your own. So, uh, and that's, yeah, then that's a serious consideration is I guess something like that does happen. No one, are, no one is around to help. Do you have the mental wherewithal to get yourself to a point where you can seek further medical attention, right? Because, like, you're the, you're the first line of defense after something happens. I know some people like they'll just stare at the blood flowing and they just they can't do anything about it. Somebody has to intervene. That's you know just who they are. So everybody reacts differently. I mean, you just you have to mentally prepare yourself. If I'm going into the shop and something happens, how am I going to deal with that? And like you said, you know where are my medical supplies? And I can think about my garage right now. I got nothing in there. I got stuff down here in the basement, but nothing in the garage. I should probably get on top of that. Yeah, because you never know when something's going to happen. The biggest thing with everything I've learned from stuff happening to me, from doing the research because it's part of my job now, um, it all happens when you least inspect it. And it could be everyone and their brother saying that, you know what, it's good, it's good, you don't need this, you don't need this. You know, BS. Like, and I'm saying this, and I don't have a first aid kit right in the shop, and I'm going to correct that, but... um, I have one available that's close to the shop. My shop is behind me. That door right there, that's my shop. So like hop, skip, and a jump away. I always have a <laughs> it seems to be the rag. The rag, uh the favorite rag yeah, I have in yeah. there. And every time I get hurt, it's the same rag. And I just 
and come inside, look at the wife, and she goes, "Do you need to go?" And I'm like, um, "Yes," or I I'll take should. myself. That's that's actually what I say. It's probably should, um, but it is what it is. Uh, I mean, listen. It, I think for all of us, it's sometimes you got to almost role play worst case scenario. Like if this or that happened, yeah. right? how would I how would I handle it? You know, what's what's uh, what would I do first? Um, yeah. You know, can I shut the machine off? You know, most of us right. can. Yes, you, you actually, that eat. is part of it. Right. And oh. have that at least knowledge and wherewithal to address an injury properly. Like, I, I'm thinking years ago when I <laughs> – this is when I was still a welder um, at a, a place uh, north of here. Uh, at that point, they still allowed shorts in the weld shop. Really? Okay. Eh, right, I mean, it's debatable. But anyway, so like I had just finished um, welding something. I set it on the ground in order to set up for the next the next weld. Well, I had forgotten that it was there, and I backed up, and like my calf had basically gone right on top of the area that I had just welded. So I mean, I had like this big old silver dollar, like solid, almost second degree burn. So what did I do? I marched my way down to uh, the, um, I guess, the quote-unquote nurse's station. But the, you have to remember, this was third shift. So, like, I was I was the manager. and there were three other people there that night, and that's all that was in the building. So, needless to say, I went down there. I put some burn gel on there. I put some toilet paper on top of that. I put a rag on top of that, and then I wrapped it up with electrical tape, and I went back to work. So, when I got home, my, at the time... Let's see, this is before I got married. So at the time, my fiance just, she gave me hell for not taking better care of it. <laughs> so I'm like, did, did I treat it? Did I keep the infection out? Yes. But I, should I have done more? Yes. <laughs> just know what you have to do for different injuries and don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> Sounds like what NFL players do all the time, right? Just wrap it up and get me back out there. Wrap it up and get back out <laughs> on the field. They got plays to make. Yeah, well, let's go. <laughs> is, like, we'll be jobbing. And, like, it's that I lost what, a day, two days. I, I can't say day. I lost a day in the shop because of it. Um, did I go okay. out there and do the same cut the next day? Maybe. <laughs> and I did that. Okay. Well, I shouldn't have done that, but I did that because I didn't want to. <laughs> I knew the longer I sat thinking about it, the harder it would be to make that cut. And it was the last cut. And I, I knew. I had to get it done. Me personally. Well, that. sometimes you have to get back on the horse. I yep. mean, you can't let it scare you off. You know what I mean? That's the only thing I did. I went out there. I made that cut. And then I heard the door open and the wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I am just looking at stuff. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah. Move along. <laughs> Pretty much. But, uh, I think wives are immune to the uh, Jedi mind trick. <laughs> oh, maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's... That was that was an interesting night to say the least. But it, I think it was that weekend we left for a music festival. Like the whole festival, you know, like she's she kept on like changing out my bandages and stuff like that. Like I'm half in the bag, and like she's just taking care nope. of her poor idiot fiance. <laughs> did, did it end up being second degree? No, it was, it was first degree. But man, did it feel like I mean it was 
charred. I don't want to get too graphic, but it was charred. Yeah, yeah burns are the worst. But like I said, I mean, it's I, I got a cool scar out of it and a fun story and eye rolls from the wife, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> See, scars, like you said, are a badge of honor, at least for some people. For me, like, I can look at Absolutely. most of my scars. If I remember how I got them, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a good time. Oh, I was being stupid yeah. there. No. But, hey, that burn gel, that it worked like a charm. Like I said, it stopped the hurting, and I think that's what helped, like, cure it a little quicker. That's why it heals a lot quicker, I believe. Burns are nasty, though. Like, I, I don't know if I'd yeah. rather get a cut. They are. I, I, that burning sensation, that's uh, just... Hmm. But I was I was informed the next night that uh, shorts were no longer allowed in the shop. So I wonder how that I'm happened. to blame for that one. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> you can look back and say safe. Did they name that safety rule after you? <laughs> yeah, the old Robertson rule. <laughs> That's the guy that says we can't wear shorts anymore. Yeah, it's it was an interesting time. I had lots of interesting mishaps in that weld shop but i mean none none were nearly as bad as that even like uh well like when I, I worked at another place too that made parts for like giant paper machines oh, wow. and this um this i was learning a new process day two on the job right so i got my welding helmet just, just piped out so i got my weld, welding helmet down like and i'm wearing my work shirt and like there's like this triangle of exposed skin right so like after the day I get home, like why does this hurt so much right here? Well, like, I I had just the radiation just absolutely fried that part no of my chest. It was so it was so bright and direct. And like I said, I never you don't feel it at the time. Like you don't feel sunburn coming on. <laughs> it just kinda happens until you realize later, like, holy crap, this hurts. <laughs> Man. Well like cover yourself. Yeah, did that change how you dressed after that? Absolutely, absolutely. Learning occurred. <laughs> but I mean, that's I honestly, I should have been wearing a welding jacket to begin with because, like, I remember, like, even like my work shirt that I was wearing, um, the radiation had actually penetrated that to a point. Like, I mean, I, I still had some red skin through that; it didn't hurt or anything. But there was a white patch where my name. There, where my name was, like on my shirt. So, like that blocked the radiation. So, like I knew it had gone through my oh shirt. My so, how I got out of that job without a third eyeball is beyond me. It's crazy. What about in the shop, Tim? In in the wood shop, like any any mishaps for you? Mostly just like really stupid stuff. Like I'm, you know, like pushing a chisel into my hand, that type of thing, Ooh, where a corner yeah. catches you just right. But nothing huge. And like I. You know, knock on wood, I've gotten pretty lucky so far. But it's also because, like, when I approach the table saw, I approach it with fear and the most caution necessary. Like, as soon as I push something through, my hands are back, and I reach for that power button, and I shut it off. And, like, I take as much precaution as possible because it scares me. It scares the living shit out of me. And, like, even the using what I call the screaming wheel of death, you know, the old circular saw, like, I am watching everything as I go and then you know, I set it down same thing you know, I just kind of set it down forget it like walk away don't shake hands with that guy <laughs> <laughs> like I even I, I think the one tool that I probably should exercise more caution with is um, the router like right now I have it set really? you know inside like a router inside like a router stand when, like, when I'm putting like a rounded edge or like I'm using the uh various bits but like 
the reason why I say I feel I should exercise more caution is because I could see myself slipping and I could see like a finger going into that thing. And like, I'm, I'm trying to be more aware of it. And I think that's just, if I had like push blocks on top of it, I think I'd feel a little bit better and safer. The fact you're taking and processing that information, realizing you're safe, every unsafe thing that ever went bad, I knew, like I thought about it. Like it was a, a mental, like, you know, this is probably going to go bad because of this, this, and this. It proves itself right. Most of the time. And if it don't, you get lucky. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> so like did you I mean did you see your fingertip loss coming like was that like did no, you see like a half this, a second ahead of time This or? honestly was something where like I done this kind of cut like I said I've made a lot of shadow boxes. Um and I was doing everything the way I always did. I I to this day don't know what exactly went wrong. Because everything I could think of why or would have went wrong, I would have lost more than what I lost. It makes no sense exactly to me how that happened. Um, and I don't know if it was from the blade. Maybe it was from, because it was cut, you know. So kind of how to set it up. I was cutting uh, one of the side panels. And the side panel has a place for the acrylic to go in, which is a dado. And the, um, what I was cutting was a rabbit. I already cut the 45 degrees on it. Like had all the cuts on it. I was just doing this last rabbit. That way I can set the back panels. in once I put everything together and that's how I do it. And there's a space for, you know, hanging hardware, what have you, not that complicated kind of sounds that way, but looking at it, what you see it, it's not, um, it's just the process I've done a thousand times, the, like from the thickness of the, the actual data blade to how I was cutting no issues ever pushing it through. And then I, I don't, like I said before on the pod, I don't remember what indicator I had to lift my hands up. I don't, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember the indicator, lift my hands and shut it off. All I remember is like my hand feeling like you jam your finger really hard and like my hand kind of vibrating. And then me looking at the piece, like, well, well what the hell happened? Cause nothing happened to that piece. It just didn't cut all the way like through. You're, you're just cutting. It sailed through just fine. Like, it didn't sail all the way through. It felt something weird. It came back at me. It didn't, like, I don't remember getting hurt. I didn't have any bruising anywhere. It just, I, I don't know that middle section. And I, I, to this day, can't tell you why. Um, I, all I know is for now on, I'm going to do a couple things a little different, right? I have uh, the gripper, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I use that thing religiously. I don't typically use it on that. Just because, like my blade, my hands on the other side of the blade, I have enough to hold on to it and grip it and push it through. I have, you know, a push stick there too. Like everything normally operates just fine without any issues doing that particular method. I could have used a gripper and offset it off the dado blade, but having that big dado blade and that gripper just that that catches, you know, what I'm saying that's another issue. So, so is it that it came back and and it pulled your hand into the blade? I, I don't know. I, I don't, mm, I, I didn't see it. Most times when something happens, you see a slow motion or something like that. It happened so quickly that to me, it must've been when I was blinking. I don't know. Or I closed my eyes. I think something happened or sound happened because I, I literally, I, I closed my eyes. I had to. Have. Now, was this a dado stack or a single blade? It was a dado stack. It was a 0.8 inch. That's a lot of inertia too. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of steel spinning very quickly. Yeah, for me, it's not the table saw. I'm not as afraid of the table saw for some reason. It's the it's my router. I have a 
under table uh, router at the end of the um, uh, table saw. And uh, maybe because I've had a couple close calls, I'm just constantly, whenever I use it, that's where kind of like you, Tim, I can kind of almost envision, you know, going the wrong way. And I did do that once. As a matter of fact, it's, I have a video posted, yeah. uh, a reel posted on, on um, Instagram where I went in the same direction as the bit, which is entirely wrong, right? Yeah. And yeah. and that piece went flying in a split second across the shop, okay? And uh, all you see is my hands kind of go up in the air like this, but it could have easily pulled pulled my hand into the direction of the bit itself. And that's that's the one that I have the most respect for. Um, I added the, the Jessam uh, TS guides mm-hmm. uh, for the table saw, and I think that that's probably one of the best investments you can do. Probably what I'm um, going to next. <laughs> yeah. And uh, not that you're supposed to, but let me tell you, I can, regardless of the size of the board, regardless of the size of the board, once they engage the guides, you can let it go. And I've done it plenty of times. I've had to walk away for a moment and it's in the middle of the cut and it doesn't go anywhere. Again, I'm not saying that you should do that, but I have done it. It is that reliable where uh, it's pulling it into the fence. And, you know, now I tend to, you know, always keep my hands, you know, away from the blade. Uh, I'll use a push stick whenever possible. I have the gripper also. I don't use it that often, um, but I do break it out every now and then. But for me, without a doubt, I mean, the bandsaw behind me, no issue with that. Um, the table saw, no issue with that. It's for me, it's the router. That's the one I have the most respect. For. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm heading towards the table saw, or the router, I'm tucking these guys inside. Oh, absolutely. I take yeah. them out. I don't like, like I cut them out or I take them out. Like, well, it's cold in our garage, Josh. Okay, not all of us have fancy heat in our garage. <laughs> I have a space heater. <laughs> It's colder there, so like I gotta get all that stuff tucked away. <laughs> That's such a good point, Tim. I was um, I was using yes. the jointer the other day, and same thing. All of a sudden, I see my cords hanging. I'm like, oh. yep. <laughs> Boom. yeah, like I don't know how many horsepower it takes to suck a man into a spinning blade, but I don't want to find out. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all, not in the slightest. Hello Kitty band-aids do help. You're absolutely right. That should make everything feel better. And by the way, it's it, it's not just the cords, right? I mean, this this particular sweatshirt has a snug fit to it, but I have a couple that are rather, you know, loosey-goosey on the sleeves, right? So you I see be... a lot of guys using a table saw and their sleeves are hanging down a little too close to the blade. Mm-hmm. Like, and I always want to, like, you know, safety police, but I don't want to be that guy. It's it's rough. Like I'm torn. At what point do you speak up? <laughs> right. Honestly, there's a two-sided coin to that. And I am that guy that has to speak up now. Um, it's well, you have to be. I'm saying on I the know. internet. But dude. my point is, is like, it's okay. Okay. It's unpopular opinion. But being someone that speaks up when they see something unsafe, it's better than having to see something like that. And then later on, they get injured and you didn't say anything. But uh, I will go back to routers real quick because when I first started in the shop, man, I was I was scared of routers. Like I didn't want to even use them. Like for some reason, that spinning bit terrified me. And I think having the CNC helped me a lot. But like just the thought, like you see some gnarly, you know, issues with people getting injured in the shop with the router bit, man. So that's I always find it funny. Like the router 
scares people more than table saws. I just say that bizarre. I, my my first two table saws they scared me just as much. Like I tried to avoid using them as much as possible because I was they screamed. Like I had um yeah uh, what was it called? I can't remember the first one. It was red the brand um. Not skill bridge, <laughs> um, skill saw, yeah. skill, 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 skill saw. Right? That, that, it was yeah, skill, skill saw, saw table saw, and, and it worked fine. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually gave out on me, and then the Dewalt I bought was it was a pretty good table saw. Um, like there wasn't any issues. Oh, it was so loud, like it was intimidating. Um, you know, I I got eventually comfortable using it, but I mean, it took a while to get comfortable using it, and then when I got the rigid. The rigid really allowed me to not get comfortable with a table saw, but allowed me to kind of be safe, but comfortable enough to want to use it because it was quieter. It had more ho- uh, horsepower. I wasn't getting stuck. Like there was a lot of safety features kind of built in because it was a bigger saw. Um, and I, with every tool, I always envision what could go wrong and how I can mitigate it because that's just who I am. I, I envision all aspects as possible. Um, that's why, I mean, like when something bad does happen, it's like, oh, <laughs> that happened. I didn't, I didn't think of that. <laughs> um, All right. But like, you know, we have things in our shop to help us. You know, band saws and table saws, we have push sticks for that when it comes to certain thicknesses and stuff that help us get past that blade um, that you should be using, Tim. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you got push blocks. Um, you know, you have different items that you can get. You can get fancy ones. Well, make some my yourself. router, it doesn't have a fence. Like, it's just oh, a don't? spindle sticking up. No, like, I I made my own router thing, like I said, just to use it as, like, a trim router or even, like, putting a round over on a piece of work. Depending on the size of the piece, I'll go ahead and use push blocks to kind of maneuver it to make sure that uh, that bit don't get caught and get my fingers. I just need, like, that top rubbery, the yeah. gripper, I think it's called, right? Yep. So as long as something to hold the top of it as like I'm going around it, because seriously, I'm I'm holding the edges thing and like making sure that my fingers never go near the spindle, rotate, never near the spindle, rotate, never near the spindle. So like I'm doing my absolute best to make sure that my fingers never get towards the, the spinning part. The bit. I'm going to grab one to show you. <laughs> Made by Inkwork. Give me a second. <laughs> oh, I think I know it's well, like, Yeah. Like, I mean, my table saw was, I got it on a deal as a steel city. It's a decent, decent table saw, but it doesn't have a riving knife. So I have to really take it easy when I use that too. But like I said, as soon as my cut is done, it's, it's hands up. I mean, my, it's got like a big old paddle off switch. So I usually whack that with my knee and, and then I handle my business. Like as long as that blade is spinning, my fingers never go near that thing if I can help it. Yeah. So this one's made by by Incra Incremental Tools, and what I like about it okay. is it's you know your traditional you know um, rubberized yep. push block, but it has this acrylic shield here, so and it's adjustable up and down, ah, so that when you're slick. yeah when you're going over because remember if you're pushing your piece and your piece is here you're still your your bit is exposed right. Yeah. So this is yep. covering the bit as you're going it's over. One extra Most level. I like that. One exactly. extra level of safety. Yeah, and they're and they're not expensive at all. They they put them on okay. sale often. So yeah, incremental tools. <laughs> I'm waiting I'm for. Uh, I'm not affiliated. <laughs> I was say, wait <laughs> for the is. pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought it with my own money. <laughs> there you go. 
Yeah, I, I'm curious. Like, I mean, SawStop has a SawStop, right? But like, I'm wondering if they're gonna, if that technology is going to make its way to like routers or bandsaws and stuff like that. Like, there's <laughs> a like lot of applications. You're welcome, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, I, I believe that uh, that technology will. And uh, Ed and I were kind of having that conversation when uh, you stepped away there for a minute before we started recording about it trying to go into other uh, pieces of technology in the shop. Um, so the salt stop technology is one of those things that, you know, if it was more affordable, more people would be able to uh, purchase it. If it was more widely available to different companies it would be better for people to uh purchase it and as far as i'm aware overseas there are more uh table saws that are available because they're not held down by legal issues like saw stop um trademarks and stuff like that um i believe fissile has that technology i believe bosch has that technology and i think one more i'm missing um scm i think it's SCM. scm but they're not allowed to sell it in the U.S. because of certain restrictions of saw stop. Now, I don't know all the legal part of that and why. Um, I just know that that's what I've read and heard throughout, you know, some research, limited research. But I know there is actual federal law coming out or trying to address this issue. Um, and if you want to look it up, we can give you more information. But it's coming under the U.S. Co- uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission or the CPSC. It's determined that basically they're unreasonable risk of blade contact injuries associated with table saws. And it addresses basically what that entails. It gives you a whole lot of data when it goes into uh, why they want this to happen. Um, we were kind of talking about this shortly before we even uh, began the podcast. And, you know, just some numbers for you guys out there. Um, some saw blade contact injuries from 2010 to 21. We'll start off in, uh, real quick with two dates. 2010, you had an estimate of 30,100. It actually has been reduced in 2021. And I would assume it's probably because of certain technologies and more people getting saw stop and stuff like that. Maybe even awareness. But the year prior in 2020 it was 34,600. So you see a drop between those two years, um, and then they go into a trend analysis and stuff like that. They break it down pretty good in here. Um, They go into blade contact injury estimates, um, injury estimate, um, confidence, uh, table saws in use, how many are used, and what's the percentage of, you know, that actually get injured off of that. Um, A lot of information in here, more than we could probably go through it does actually have saw stop and Bosch in here as the death of the cup and how it could stop and stuff like that. Um, they go into the death of the cut and the blade height, you name it. A lot of different stuff that you can go in here and read and kind of understand why they want to make this a requirement for most table saws or all table saws to have some kind of safety mechanism that stops a blade. Um, just like saw stop. Now, Obviously, they're not going to come into your shops or remove our table saws. But going forward, I think, you know, table saw prices are going to be increased because of this requirement. Um, I'm not saying to go go ahead and buy up all the table saws and wait for uh, this to happen. But um, it's coming. It's definitely coming. But, I mean, like, the more uh, products that will have this technology, that will also drive down the price Yes, it will. Of that technology. Like I said, the more it, the more it's used, 
Yeah, the more the more it's used, like the cheaper it's going to be. Because right now, the only reason why the technology in SawStop is so expensive is because it's only SawStop that's you know filling that volume of sales. So if if that technology is in every single table saw, I guarantee you, that, like your safety recharge kit or whatever they call that for the saw stop, that's going to be a lot less, like maybe twenty five bucks someday just to uh, replace that safety that safety stop. Whereas like right now, I think saw stop charges were like eighty bucks, a hundred bucks for that fifty uh, for that cartridge. Is it really that much? Yeah, I think it's pretty yeah. expensive. Um, look at a holy mackerel! So what I like about SCM's technology, right? It's ma- it's a huge magnet that holds the uh, motor in place, and the moment it detects the human skin approaching that blade, the magnet um, decouples, and in a split second, the entire mechanism drops. So there's no cartridge. You can go right back to work. You can just hit a button. That motor comes back up, engages again, and you're back to work. Yeah, like if it, if it could be replaceable, it might be worth $150 as a component, like a reusable, a resettable. No, what I'm saying is there's nothing to replace. With the SCM technology that they sell in Europe now, there's nothing to replace. A magnet, as soon as it detects the human skin, the magnet decouples, and in a split second, the whole mechanism uh, motor mechanism drops below the table bringing everything down it, it's not a brake stop oh. bus stop okay. and now you hit a button and that motor comes back up and engages again and you're back to work so there's nothing to replace it's probably a much more expensive technology but you're you're right back to work obviously if you have a saw stop if you don't have that extra cartridge then you're, you're not back to work right, right. um and it's going to take you some time to put it all back together, right? Take the old one off, and hopefully you haven't damaged your blade, which I, I believe most of the time you're also replacing a blade, right? Right. So in this technology that SCM has, nothing to replace. That you would should be look nice. it up. I mean, it's yeah, amazing it up now. technology. It's like, it's like that, the only downside of that is like it doesn't stop the blade. It moves the blade out of the way, but it doesn't like stop the blade. But the plus side of that is sure you get cut but you still have most of your finger you know what i mean you don't get like, cut look at look at the video on it it drops like i think the finger is within a half an inch of the blade when it drops it detects it that oh early. there's so no contact know, there's no contact ah okay kind of like that so how is i i'm just wondering like how it senses it then cuz like i think it the uh, um saw stop it uses like you know contact charge right or is it like a very sensitive capacitance switch, if I understand. So how does it sense the finger? Like, what's the difference between a finger and a piece of wood? What if the wood is kind of wet? Which I think that was a concern um, for Sawstop as well. Like, you, ha- like if you know your wood is still kind of green or wet, you could disable the Sawstop because otherwise it would trip it. would it. have a false trigger. Yeah. With wet wood. Because... Yeah, with wet wood, yep. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm curious about. Like, how does it sense your finger? You know what I mean? But, and Josh, I may yeah. have the manufacturer wrong. I don't know if it's SCM, but but if you Google, I, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm, I don't right know. Now. I'm looking at um, the different table saws they have, the sliding table saws that they do have. You know, I, I wasn't aware of them having it. 
I, I knew there was another one, but I don't remember if this is the one I was thinking about. Um, I just remember watching a Fez Tool um, video about their table saw, and they were doing the same demonstration that SawStop did. And I was like, mm-hmm. where is this? They had that technology. And I did a little bit of digging, and this was a while ago. It was probably a year ago or more. And uh, I, I read into it, and basically the SawStop technology is just not available here because of legal issues. But overseas it is. Um, and then but I, I thought that was coming to an end. I thought the patent um, maybe that's where they're coming out with the law. Um, if they're not, and the, those issues are still in place, then it's almost like a monopoly for um, SawStop because no one else can do it. But yet you're making a law that you need to buy one with it. So yeah, it's it's kind of fishy. I don't really know all the legal stuff about it just because like I haven't really dived that deep into it. I've heard about the law. Mm-hmm. I, I actually looked it up. I sent it to these gentlemen. Um, we looked through it real quick just so we could talk about it on the podcast. Um, but it's something that I agree that should be available. I also agree that it should be your choice. Um, I also agree that uh, it should be affordable. So if it was affordable and it came standard in every table saw, great. Go ahead. That that's that's that should be done. Um, but if they're going to do you know more expensive table saws because of the technology and make it unattainable for people that you know just starting off. I, that, that's not that's not okay. And I think what's going to happen is in the beginning, it will be a higher price market because that technology needs to pay for itself. Now they need to produce something extra and that price point is going to come out of the consumer and, you know, we might see a drop in makers because of it or you might see an increase of prices of table saws on Marketplace or other uh, places you could buy used tools because people can't afford necessarily the new, you know, whatever that has that technology. So it's kind of, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, obviously it's kind of above us at the moment, but uh, it should be interesting to see in the next couple of years, how the technology will come out, what the price, you know, what the market does with it. And, you know, maybe we'll have that technology in our shops next year at this time. Hopefully that's the case. And and like we said before too, is like how many other machines other than the table saw are going to have that technology or be required to come with it too. There has to be some kind of, you know, grace period. They can't just be like, okay, now forever on, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's manufacturers of stock that they have to get rid of and stuff like that, which might become cheaper. Who knows? Um, right. It's just. Because I think like when airbags came out, they didn't require every car to have it right mm-hmm. out the gate. It was a rollout. It, it has to be. I mean, I just don't see it being a. I don't see them being able to be like, okay, next day, everyone needs to have it. You know, it's just one of those things that's not going to happen, but it's an interesting thought. And how far, how far are they going to go with it too? I mean, can you imagine your cordless drill is, uh, (laughs) it gets too close to your other hand then all of a sudden it cuts out. (laughs) By the way, Josh and Tim, I think the company is, uh, I think it might be Felder and it's their PCS system. Mm, okay. That's okay. The one. I'm almost positive that's the one. PCS. It's all based on a magnetic um, system, which is just amazing. I, I, I just, yeah, it's crazy. We have our uh, researchers uh, reaching out to us, um, our patrons. <laughs> um, they're saying that uh, what do they say here? Um, Supreme. 
or Salsoff is trying to appeal to the Supreme Court to extend their patent time frame, yeah. which would cause this to be an issue. Um, See, I don't agree with that. I don't. I, don't I agree. They should like. I understand. You know, their property. They came up with the tech. If they came out first, I don't know who came out first with it. But the fact that it's a safety, I don't think it should be patented to one company. I think like they should get credit for it. Sure, um, it should get how whatever that looks like. But like, it should be available to anything when it comes to safety. Mm-hmm. Anyone agreed? Well, I guess like if if I make this awesome invention and it is a safety feature but it's still my invention as soon as i invent it all of a sudden everybody has rights to it i as an inventor would have zero incentive to yeah that's what i'm saying like there that. has to be a happy medium there and i get that i just don't know what that would look like and like a fair way to approach that um right i like i i, I want people to be safe i don't want Every, what we do, and I've right. said this before, is inherently dangerous. Like it's not just like we're going home and playing video games, and I don't care if you do that. And it's not against you. It's just an example. Uh, but like, if you go home and play video games, like there's issues and stuff with that. But like, you're not dealing with blades spinning in like you can get your fingers caught, and like you can get you know a pin nail in you. You can get you know sixteen gauge nail into your thumb. Like everything we do is going to hurt you in that shop. Like it is, it, right. you could walk in that shop. I had mentioned it. He walked in the shop and got attacked. Like in honor of uh, our our guest here, like consider our shop is like Australia, where everything can kill you twice. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, he, I'm yeah, laughing he, too because when Josh no mentioned to go. A, a pin nail <laughs> going through your thumb. I I I, it, I totally forgot that I had one of those also helping out my brother in law put up a door. And I saw so it's, so it's a stand. sixteen gauge right through right through and, the like, thumb. It, it, it's one, those are the kind of where you're like ow, <laughs> but I mean like it hurts like. You know what times so I remember when I first started in the shop, and I'm like, my God, my hands! Like every time I turned around, there was a cut or something, and that was like. Oh, I got a cut or I don't even notice it. And I'll go ahead and wash my hands or I'll put some, you know, like, uh, you know, cleansing fluid or something on my hands or wipe, whatever. And I'm like, ow. <laughs> and there's yeah, a gas. It just lets you know you're alive. Yeah. Let's in, reminds you that well, you're doing stuff. This is like, where did I get that? I don't even remember like getting that. It's just, <laughs> you get used to it. And it's one of those things where like, you know, we talk about some of these injuries and new makers, I hopefully listening to this, we're not trying to scare you away. Our intention is to tell you that things happen in the shop. There are ways to prevent it. And you know what? You're not going to always be able to, um, you know what they say is a 10, uh, as long if you work in the workshop or work in a wood, uh, wood shop, you eventually probably going to be a nine finger uh, woodworker. Uh, I don't have a full. I don't have a full ten. I have nine and seven eighths. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it's it, it's an unfortunate thing because you know a lot of times back in the day, and I say back in the day before my time, so like Ed's time, um, <laughs> nothing against you, man, but like the safety there wasn't much safety. I mean, like it was essentially, you see some of these videos or even uh, videos that uh, people don't have access to some of the safety mechanisms we have. It's, it's dangerous. You see people working with like a, you know, 13 inch blade or 14 inch blade and they're just cutting a big piece and just moving it around. And you're like cringing inside. Like those giant circular saws that they used to like cut timbers. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Right. Right. <laughs> if I blink, my leg is gone. 
God. It wasn't a thought for those guys. Initially, it might have, but eventually it was like working right next to it. I've been thinking about it. And complacency is the biggest indicator that you should take a step back because something will eventually happen with that. Can't say that what it was because I can't determine the root cause. But what I can say is I have shot, you know, my hand with a pin nail and I have done stuff like that. And it's because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And, you know, for most of us, right, this is a side gig, right? And so while we don't want to get injured, you know, um, that side gig is just that, a side gig. We've got a primary job and I'm transitioning now, March 1st, right? I'm done with corporate America. And so, and so it's even more important because now, you know, safety becomes front and center. It's got to be front and center all the time. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking a lot about certain reminders that I want to have in the shop from, you know, shutting off power um, or in, you know, in certain, you know, areas or entirely, or just reminders to make sure that the shop is safe and then I'm safe. Right. Because now an injury could be completely different to me. Right. Because now I'm doing that full time. Full time. Sure. I mean, just be vigilant. Right. It's all you can do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can, it's, we can afford the tools we got. So if you can afford a safer tool, why not? But if not, you just have to be more vigilant. You have to be smart. I uh, I remember when we first started this podcast and like uh, my page and whatnot. And I can't remember if I ever talked about this on the podcast. I don't know if I ever made it there to one of our Saturday, Sunday chats. But I had someone reach out to me from a different country. I can't remember what it was now. And they're asking about a way they can mount their circular saw underneath a plywood board and make a table saw. And I remember the whole thought of that just, it was one of those like, do I help this person out or do I just say no and then go away? So I'm like, look, I, I, the whole thing of saying like, look, I don't agree about doing this. You know, you should try to, you know, save up for a table saw, uh, you know, do the best you can, whatever. This is inherently dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And then I sent him a YouTube video that I found of someone that does it. And I'm like, look, I don't agree with this. I suggest you not do it. I've never heard back from that individual. <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder to this day. Um, I don't know. Hopefully they never did it and didn't get hurt. But like. No, the lesson there is don't send the video that supports his idea. Well, I yeah. mean, like if I <laughs> was going to do it. contaminate the pool. <laughs> it was at the time where I didn't know better. But I mean, like. Some people don't have access to the tools that we have. They either can't afford them, they can't get them, or the knowledge. And they're going to do they're going to do what they need to do in order to make things happen. Because you know what? Regardless where you are, what circumstance, if you're a maker, you're a maker, and you're going to do that. That that that's in our blood. We invent stuff to make things happen daily in the shop. But my thought process behind that is is like if I don't send them the video and I he might not read any of my warnings. If I, if I send him this video and I warn him and I warn them that this is dangerous, at least they might be more careful than being like, Oh, I found a YouTube video finger. You know what I'm saying? Like that at the time was my thought process. Yeah. And and I think what's wonderful about the time that we live in, right. With all of the social media outlets out there is that you've got so many people that don't have any qualms about, posting an error, right? Posting a mistake they made because we're all human, right? And I appreciate seeing those because it opens my eyes a lot of times to things things I might have not thought about, right? And 
that, that's part of the reason I, why I posted the one where that piece flew off of the router table, right? And it, that, that particular reel did very well. It got a lot of likes. It got a lot of views. It, it, it kind of ran for a while. And, and I remember one or two guys jumping in there complaining about, you know, somebody like me posting a video showing people how to do things the wrong way. That wasn't the intent. The intent was to make everyone aware that when you're not thinking, when you're not paying attention and you accidentally do something the wrong way, this is what can happen, right? Luckily, nothing happened to me, but I was this close to having my finger run over the bit, right? So I appreciate those that don't have a problem posting their own mistakes and kind of those, hey, you know, look what can happen type, uh, you know, videos. So like the the one gal, she's doing her interesting cut on a saw stop and she was like turning into the blade and all of a sudden it caught and like Mm. the saw stop did what it's like. Did you see that one? She got like 22 million views on that, <laughs> like within like a course of like four days or something. People should but that's that. Exactly, because that is a mistake that obviously is going to teach a lesson just by watching it. Like there, there's a certain fear factor injected into that video. Like, hey, don't do what this person is doing. Now, she was lucky she had a sauce out, but I mean, that's, you know, that's where the video ends, Right. But the lesson is still there. There's still a fear factor that will hopefully teach that lesson. There's a maker. There's a maker down in South Carolina. I forget his name right now. He makes amazing cutting boards. And he was standing in front of his saw, making a cut when he had some when he had a piece come back his way right into his ninjanuities. Okay, (laughs) and that's what he posted, right? And that video got a shitload of views also. But that taught him to reposition his ninjanuities out of the way of the direct fire in case he ever had any. I think we've all learned that the hard way. I mean, I have. (laughs) 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 But I mean. Protect yourself. If we show people our mistakes, like you guys are saying, and they learn from that, hopefully they never have to learn the hard way. Maybe there'd be less, you know, eight-fingered woodworkers, nine-fingered woodworkers, what have you. Maybe this new technology will help with that. I don't have the answers, and I'm not trying to give anyone answers to tell them what to do. But, you know, it's great to have pages, but if you are only posting the good stuff, you got to show some of the bad stuff, too. It all depends on what you're trying to achieve with your page. If you're going to be an influencer, make sure you're influencing all the way around and not just the good stuff. If your page is set up for marketing, well, then you're not going to necessarily, you know, show your, you know, negative stuff, but you could definitely have a target audience or even a chat or something else that you can go in and be like, Hey, I messed up, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like today I have one less thumb. Like it's important for us to be reaching out to each other in that aspect. Um, because absolutely that's one of the reasons i wanted to do this with uh the safety episode is because i wanted to make sure we do at least one of these or a week of these or a month of just safety stuff um you know in the past we have i don't think we did last year because we got kind of caught up with other stuff but um i don't think we're gonna go past this episode we'll probably talk about other injuries and stuff as we go into uh the year because when they pop out they're fun to talk about we like telling our stories but I mean, like, we love telling stories. Woodworkers always have stories, more stories. I know. I appreciate you know Ed, you coming on to go give us a hand telling you know how we should be safe and what's happened to you in your shop. Um, it's definitely some people would be uncomfortable doing that. 
um, it, it's very hard to admit that you made a mistake and be, you know, get on here where, you know, lots of people listen and be like, Hey, I did this. I did this because I was doing this and I made it a mistake because I wasn't paying attention or what have you. Um, so, you know what? Thank you for coming on. You, you jumped at the chance when I asked. So I appreciate that. Um, this episode has been a good one. And, you know, if we had more time, I think part two, maybe part three could be definitely had. But I will give this invitation out. So if you've had an instance where you've had an injury in the workshop and you want to share it on here, give me some audio. Send me some audio of what happened, your story, and we'll air it. We'll go ahead and talk about it, you know, if we've done it, what we think about it. I'm not going to judge you too harshly unless you show up in person, then we might. Um, then, then all bets are off. But, hey, uh, I mean, your, your story is, is also a teaching moment, so. Exactly. Let's help. Because, you know, I'm not going to say that everyone that listens to this is a social media person. I don't expect everyone to be jumping on Instagram, being part of the community. But if you're listening to this podcast, you are part of that community extension. So we thank you for listening. We thank you for, you know, being a part of it. And uh, gentlemen, it's about that time. So if you want to go ahead and give your final words and uh, Tim, if you don't mind taking us out of your first official episode of being a host. So starting with Ed, let's hear your final words, man. I think what's most important is to constantly be aware while you're out in the shop and uh, keep it tidy. Uh, keep it tidy and just keep keep an eye on anything flying towards your ninja nudies. <laughs> I think we have a, a episode title right there. We might. I think the Australian one was fun too. I might incorporate yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so I'll, let's see. Final words. Keep your fingers where they belong. Um, on your hand and we joke around about it. We joke about the injuries. We joke about things that have happened, but you know, it all could be more serious and, uh, just be thankful every time you leave that shop and you have all your parts and you didn't get, you know, hurt. Just keep in mind how dangerous what you're doing out there is. Um, it's not hard to just look up woodworking injuries and see a whole entire page worth of just blood and gore. So that's not a rabbit hole. Anybody wants to go down. <laughs> no, stay safe out there. Go make some sawdust and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Yeah. And like I said, like I said, you know, just be vigilant when you go into your shop. Um, everything can kill you. So an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure, right? So just make sure that you keep a sound mind when you're out in that shop. Um, this is the 190th episode of Sados Nation Podcast. So, Ed, thank you for joining us. Josh, as always. And this is Tim from Gears and Fire saying thanks for joining us, guys. Always, always a pleasure. Sados Nation Podcast. Out. Oot. good stuff um but yeah i i totally forgot about shooting my freaking thumb and my my brother and so i i i he heard the thump and i go oh he said what happened don't worry let's finish we finished putting up the uh the trim and then i come out and he's not much of a uh of a handy guy himself (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, I'll send you that picture one day. That's a funny one. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, um, there, there, there's a lot of shit in here. There is a lot of stuff here that could definitely do some damage if you're not careful. Hurt, and man, Tim, when you when gouge. you mention this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anything, yeah, yeah I, the pencil. I, that. <laughs> you could you could literally stab yourself with a pencil. <laughs> Dumb ways but, to die. Yeah. How Ooh. many times Ooh. haven't I had a sharp pencil in my pocket? Right. <laughs> I like that. Dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. There you go. 